fair warning, this episode contains mention of abuse and mental health issues. You're listening to The Mastery Diplomat. Hello. Today I'm joined with Cheryl and Brandon. My name is Radi and I will be talking about relationships. In modern times, women and LGBT have a lot more rights and can participate in relationships a lot more freely. Yet, it's very common for a partnership to end, which makes us wonder, what can we do better? As students, we receive a lot of guidance on how to perform better in academic subjects, but when it comes to soft skills, we are expected to fill in the gaps ourselves. When met with problems in relationships, we are often told we need to communicate better and then the problems would go away. However, just communicate is not an adequate advice. Least of all, communication in the form of verbal communication does not fit all of our capacity to experience and convey human emotion. On top of that, sometimes talking can create more problems than solve them. Depending on how your partner is feeling, Focusing on his reaction, not on his words, might be better. What do people even mean by communication? I, I think there are different ways people interpret communication. Like from my personal point of view, it's easy to slip into the idea that communication is just talking about something mm-hmm. rather than delivering what you're thinking and feeling in mm-hmm. a understandable fashion to someone else, Yeah, which I've come to understand communication that way. Mm. I would say it's sharing your sight such that you feel understood, which I think is similar to what you've said. And then the goal of communication, I would say, is your partner understanding you. Would you agree with that? I would definitely say that it is to feel understood. Okay. Because you're often stuck inside Mm -hmm. and feeling understood can be enough validation to really Mm -hmm. help. I think the main goal of communication is to find common ground. It is about your partner understanding you, but it's also about you understanding your partner. So you have to find common ground where you both actually agree because you have different backgrounds. When you talk about communication, you think, just like Brandon said, it's just talking. But most importantly is what you do after the talking. Like you have this information and what you decide to do with this information actually shapes if your communication succeeded or failed. If you keep on ignoring the information, if you're not listening to your partner or your partner is not listening to you, then probably... You're not very satisfied with the compromise you're doing. I do agree. And I think that's one of the problems with communication is that one of the partners would be better uh, at communicating. Mm. And even if both improve, they still wouldn't improve at the same pace. And also they would not start from the same place as well, Mm. which means one partner might get the upper hand and the other partner would start feeling resentful. So even though you're communicating and you feel like you're reaching common ground, one partner is getting more and more resentful, even though they can't really explain it. Does that make sense? So due to imbalance in the ability to communicate with one another, Mm -hmm. that they would mm -hmm. grow some sort of resentment, even subconsciously. Yeah, to explain to our partner how we're feeling without using our words, we can use our five languages. Those languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, gift giving, touch, quality time. So these are different ways that people either show or attempt to show how much affection they have or what kind of affection they have for someone or how they like the ways they best receive it, that they most 
understand that that's what someone is trying to communicate if i if i understand that correctly yeah i think what's quite interesting is you have you have these different ways of communicating emotionally i, I think for me personally it's somewhere in between uh, physical affection and and words of affirmation someone talks to you that yes this is how i'm feeling cuz i don't know for me probably i can't read people's minds yeah. so that's something that makes me feel better and then a physical touch is also something that i would say is probably important to me mhm it's probably also how i show my love but i'm not sure and now now i'm really thinking about it i'm like hmm yeah it doesn't necessarily <laughs> what do i do yeah just because some language is your love language to receive doesn't mean it's the same to give oh interesting yeah i always assumed that it was the same so like if you enjoyed <laughs> I was going to say getting it then you'd give it. No. Um I'm going to say use a better phrasing. Um <laughs> yeah, so that so you, the way you receive the love language is the same as as the one you'd want to. Also, it's good to know your attachment style and to know your partners because during stressful situations, they might be the type to withdraw or they might be the type who is very needy and needs attention or they might be one of the few ones and are very secure and don't have issues. Regardless, it's good to know your attachment style and to know your partners, so you know how you handle conflict and to help understand each other. Do you have experience with knowing your attachment style as well as your partners, and then that helping you? Hmm. I have never. What are the different attachment styles again? So it's secure, <laughs> preoccupied, which is people who are nervous about losing the relationship and are generally the needy one. Then mm-hmm. is the distant one, and then there is the disorganized, which is just all over the place. I'm currently with someone, and I have. I wouldn't. I don't say I would be certain to know their attachment style, but I think I could have a good guess. To be honest, I think knowing the attachment style only doesn't necessarily help unless you also know their childhood, because you know that that's where it came from, and I think it will help you empathize with your partner more. because even if they're cold and you don't feel the love as you think you're supposed to be as their partner you still understand that that's how they grew up and that uh, it's an issue that reflects on themselves as well okay so for example i think that that's a good good way for me to try to understand this so my partner she her parents had a divorce when she was young and she had a an experience with them that was different to what i had i my my parents are still together they had a turbulent point in the when i was a teenager where it could have happened but i think just just that plus trying to understand how the person interacts with with you in terms of do they like to have some distance i can often see that they do in my case like some distance and it's easier for them to then talk about these things after some time. Mm-hmm. And I think understanding that has in my case made it a lot easier to yeah to understand them and understand our differences. I can't honestly pinpoint my attachment style and I can't either pinpoint my partner's attachment style. So I'm kind of curious can you jump from one to another because I have been the needy, I have been the secure, I have been all of them. So maybe, I'm like Maybe you're disorganized. Yeah, maybe. especially if you're trying to I mean this is the thing I I often try to understand um, I can only speak from my experience right mm, mm. I I'm try I can try to understand what is happening in my partner's head and what has happened in her past 
to make sense of yeah perhaps why these things mm. are interpreted in one way or the other how something is felt as best i can understand that yeah and the same the other way around right but that's the thing because sometimes you're trying to understand what happened with your partner instead you should have tried to understand what's happening with you sometimes the problem is coming from you and the emotions that you're having right now are coming from your past like if i want to make this more concrete and i've had consent from my partner to talk about this <laughs> in a recent fight we had and we're dealing with a long distance relationship which is even harder to communicate you know because you're doing doing it through a phone and through a screen like like they're they're not there so you have to make your feelings explicit so In a recent fight we had, I was over the top angry, over the top confused, and we were having so many tension between us, and it was building up. And at some point, I lost where our relationship is, and I forgot that our relationship is strong because he's not doing anything wrong. So why am I mad? Like there's some kind of emotions that you're projecting. There's something wrong with your attachment issues or with your background and your childhood that you're now projecting this onto this partner. Your partner is not always wrong. Sometimes you are wrong as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. That that's also I think that's what I couldn't articulate, and you did. You said it very very clearly. It's the yes, I can try to understand my partner. I can try to understand their past, but in the end, what they're telling me. and what i'm feeling i have to really try to separate what i'm thinking that they're yep. telling me or what i'm thinking that they're thinking exactly versus to what they're actually, actually saying trying to communicate maybe yes. not tell me verbally but mm. other ways too because not everything is personal so for example you and your partner had a fight and she's yelling on the top of her lungs maybe she's trying to communicate but she cannot she's very mm-hmm. angry at the receiving and you're like She hates me. She doesn't want me. She's yelling at me. If you think about it, really think about it. Take the space, and then think about why are you trying to solve? Like why are you seeing it as a hatred and not as a way as a, uh, of communication? You're seeing this anger as she hates me. She doesn't want me. But then maybe she is so angry because she can't communicate with you. If if it makes sense, it does. Yeah. It does make sense. But also, I feel like it can be very difficult to take space, mm. especially if you're living together. But also, just being emotionally involved with another person, yeah, it's difficult to pull back emotionally, yeah, and not become distant, not to stonewall. That's stonewalling is when one partner tunes out, which can be quite unhelpful for the relationship too. Stonewalling can seem like your partner has shut off and is not interested in having more discussions or interested in engaging with you completely. You might be offended because of it. However, if we look from inside and what has actually happened, it's because previous to that, his body had been filled with a lot of adrenaline, and that made his body shut down. It can be really annoying, really <laughs> like stonewalling is the worst thing ever, because then you're not communicating. Mm. I'm talking, and then my partner is not talking. But then this is what the epiphany I had, <laughs> because like. <laughs> Why isn't he talking to me? Because he always talks to me. So why did we reach a point where he can't talk to me anymore? Why does he feel the need to stonewall me? Mm-hmm. And this is where you need to let go. I think I think some people also have limits. Like yeah. from, from my experience, we I we don't really have arguments. Mm. We we talk a lot about things, mm. but I often I try to take things and try to 
analyze them and I can I know that can be a lot <laughs> I've had to learn how to hit the brakes and it has happened where, where my partner then it's just too much mm. and she puts up a wall and she's like you know um, I'm tired this is difficult <laughs> and I think that's also something that I'm quite grateful for is being able to one on my side learn that this is at some something that is just a coping mechanism mm-hmm. for this person mm-hmm. and for her to communicate with me that now it's too much I need some space also going back to all the different attachment styles you know with your when you're more distant all that stuff that it makes perfect sense by understanding the background and how they try to communicate then on both sides or more I don't who knows what your relationships are like then it's a lot easier to finally get somewhere mm. and finally understand But how do you pull back without stonewalling yourself? So you want to pull back emotionally so you can reflect on yourself. But how do you make it in such a way that it is not seen as stonewalling to your partner? And I think it might be easier for you. I might be incorrect that because you're in a long distance relationship, it's easier to reflect on it and just pull back. But it's more dangerous than yeah. <laughs> because if you stonewall so much that you actually drift apart because you can't mm. really see each other. So I think when you say pulling back emotionally doesn't necessarily mean to stop feeling anything for that person. It just means to give them a space to relax because imagine you have a wound and if you keep pushing on that wound, it's still going to hurt and mm-hmm. nothing you do will ever fix that wound. What you can do is just leave it alone and it will heal. You know, you just have to because you reach a point and, and I've reached that point so many times. Like the more I try to fix it, the more I damage it. Mm-hmm. I also need the space and he also needs the space. So how you pull back is just stop talking about it for a short little while so you can clear your head from the anger that you hold. Rearrange what happened and see what did you do wrong and what you can fix and what they did wrong as well. I would say it's similar to advice that's given by psychologists. Don't commit to solve every problem that arises in your relationship because that's going to create many discussions and probably fights. But that doesn't mean you have solutions for it. Sometimes a person is just like that. I wish I had a better way of putting it that isn't as combative, but it's like choosing your battles. You got to pick mm. what do you want to address You got to prioritize what's important. Yeah, I think that's how I understand what you're saying, right? I'm not gonna mm. pick on my partner if they left the stuff on the desk, like mm. mm-hmm. because you don't care about that. It's not something I yeah. really care about. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I prefer if the li- living room table was not full of stuff, but I don't really care. Yeah, your right? life is not, not gonna stop. <laughs> right, it's not enough for me to mm. bring it up all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it can get too much and then try to communicate that. Mm, mm. But it's not the main thing. And there yeah. are other things that are more important. Like, for example, last night we had a discussion about university, what's the future, how are we going to proceed, you know, if we're moving in different places, if we're not, it's all uncertain. But talking about that is then much more important than trying to, you know, talk about not closing the bin. Yeah. I think just having a strong reason why, a strong purpose of the relationship, why you want to be in a relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. I do very much agree <laughs> because to me personally, I think you should be in a relationship not because you want to be in a relationship and for the sake of having a relationship, but because that particular person would be an added value 
to your life. For him to be my partner has to be a very good person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if he is a good person, then it, the other things are fixable because that's the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. Maybe not fixable, but tolerable. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like there's nothing that this is what my partner always say, like everything is solvable. You can always find a solution if you want to. As long as the, the core values and the core principles that you hold so dear are there, then for me, it's it's good to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe the solution to a messy partner, one that leaves the kitchen table messy, is mm. just within you. So you try to get less bothered by it instead of making the partner change. I mean, there is some some sort of messiness that is like mm. unbearable, but it depends on what kind of person you are. Yeah, I think already has a good point there. So what we've been talking about, I think Echo Sentiment Override, which has been created by psychologist Dr. John Gottman, which is the overall feeling of the relationship. And it's difficult to explain. It's a very elusive concept. Like, what is the overall feeling of the relationship? In a way, it's the baseline where your relationship is at and whether you bounce back from a fight easily. A way I can look at it in a different light is it's similar to depression and how you look life in general so your perception of the relationship then yeah in a way your perception of the relationship is similar to your perception of life and if you have a problem when you're depressed then you, you would feel like that's the biggest problem you'd get easily frustrated and it will affect you much more than if you were feeling okay and that's similar to having a negative sentiment override in a relationship if you have that and then you get into a fight, it's a much bigger deal. So if I understand it correctly, the sentiment override is the general feeling you have, and it's affected by how many negative interactions you have. I would agree with that. And I think that's why depression can make a good analogy, because also when you've been anxious for a very long time, just had a lot of stressors, you might get into a depression just because of the anxiety. Similarly, if you've had a lot of fights and anxiety with your significant other, it means you see the point of the relationship less and you are affected more by every every mm. small thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, if I understood it correctly, then it's the overall perception of the relationship you're in. So do you consider, do you consider your relationship um, a healthy one, a happy one, a burden? Do you like, how does it, how does your relationship feel to you? Right. So mm -hmm. if you have a negative emotion towards the relationship you're in and you're in a negative sentiment override, then the minimalist argument would turn into the biggest fight you've ever had because mm -hmm. you, you come from a negative perception of your relationship. Yes, exactly. Okay. And if you're in a happy one, mm -hmm. then you tend to bounce back mm -hmm. easily from an argument because overall you consider yourself in a happy relationship or in a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And that would help in coming out of an argument or a fight in an easy, understandable, and with no like the no damage. You just move on faster, and you can make your peace with that. Because after a fight... Constructive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was because trying no to one, find a good word. <laughs> yeah, because no one teaches you actually how to bounce back from a fight. Mm -hmm. Okay, they've said sorry, but yet, how do I get over this feeling of I'm hurt? Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. they said sorry, but then that's not going to heal the the tears you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah i get it no one teaches you how to mm -hmm. bounce back <laughs> i also think it's interesting to learn how to bounce back from a toxic relationship as long as it's not abusive instead of just dropping the relationship and trying to find a good other partner 
to work on it and to try to get to a positive place again. Mm. I think I've mentioned it, but don't be stuck on putting 50% in the relationship and then getting 50 or putting 100 and then expecting 100 back. Maybe because the way your partner is giving you their percentages is not a way you can necessarily perceive. Similarly, being in good health and then having one illness and you think that this is the worst thing that can happen to you, but you're not realizing how many ways your organs can fuck you up. How do you make the link between the sentiment override and the 50-50 thing? Um, I think because if you expect to get what you are giving into the relationship, mm-hmm. and if you are not, which is very common, because you would be looking for specific ways that you get uh, back what you've given to the relationships, relationship. Hopefully it's not relationships. <laughs> whatever you want. Whatever, whatever, you, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get resentful. So mm. basically you are perceiving that you've been wronged by your partner, someone that you love dearly, and you think that they should love you a lot too. Mm. And hence they should treat you fairly. But they don't necessarily have to treat you fairly, especially on your terms. Mm. But what does it mean to treat you fairly? Because I do agree on the fact that it's not always 50-50. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's 80-20, sometimes you give the 80, he gives the 20 and vice versa. Like whoever needs it the most mm. because you are a team. But I do agree on the fact that there must be some kind of reciprocity. Like the things you do, they also have to make an effort back. It doesn't necessarily mean like if I buy them flowers, that doesn't mean they have to buy me flowers. It's not that literal. But the fact of showing effort so when i need the 80 when i need my partner to give me an 80 percent they would be willing to do so because Mm -hmm. i've done this also so it's just about the willingness of putting in effort yeah i would agree with that you mentioned that whoever is going through the most or in a way who needs it the most Mm -hmm. that person gets it so let's say your partner is working and also a student and they're being very stressed and then you're expecting a lot of affection from them Uh, because you're giving them affection and because you are buying them presents from time to time and they do show you care maybe through their love language Mm. but you are perceiving that that it's not enough and that's how you feel wronged then you communicate that (laughs) this is where communication comes in handy what if that partner is uh, already filled with so many worries and so much stress that they can't really deal with extra communication because what would you communicate? You would say, could you please give me more affection? Mm. Maybe yeah, you, that's you've true. asked it before. And yeah. yeah. I, I think this is also where what you said, Ruddy, where for me, where it makes the most sense was the idea that expecting the same out of them could lead to then a resentment of them. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think mm. so. Yeah, but then... It, Maybe a solution would be like, in the case that you gave, if your partner is under a lot of stress and they're dealing with so many things, and maybe the solution would be to offer help. Mm -hmm. Because how can you be included? Or how can you expect your partner to include you if you are not including yourself? Like if they are going through so much, it might be just that you help them go through it so Mm -hmm. they would be more at ease to give it back to you because there are things that you can't really ask for like you can't say hug me please and tell me you love me please Mm -hmm. it's just sometimes there are things that you can't really explicitly demand Mm -hmm. and I do agree that in this situation that I've given it might be good to offer help 
but that would be giving more percentages out of your love or whatever. Would... But then when they are over that phase, they will give it back to yeah. you. That's what you have to yeah. trust. You know, I agree the with reciprocity. That. Mm-hmm. As long as you completely trust that at some point he will make it up to you mm-hmm. and you don't even have to have the mental state of they will make it up for me. This word is just it's kind of tricky because mm-hmm. they don't yeah. owe you anything and mm-hmm. you own, don't own them anything. You're doing this out of love and because you want to stay in that person's life and you want that person to stay in your life. So what you're doing basically is not just for his sake or for the sake of receiving back. You don't do any good to receive good. You just do good because it's what's right, mm-hmm. you know? That's a very good advice. Yeah, and they're just going through some stuff. You have to help and you have to have faith that they will make it up to you. I can't I think, find another word. I think <laughs> where, like, yeah, not that they make it up to you. Maybe that not even that they do the same thing, mm. just that when you need something that in their own way, yeah. they can try their mm-hmm. best exactly to help you to support you because in a in a relationship you always hear people like i'm always there for you and i o- will always be there for you but then when you're counting the amount of percentage you're giving to your partner that whom you supposedly love so much and you will be there every time then why are you counting and you have to trust that they will be there in quotes they will be there for you too when you need it But I think it's also the way you were raised because I was raised in the Middle East. I don't know if it's the same culture, but a girl is raised to give so much to the husband. He's a man. He does these things. You can give and you don't get anything in return. I'm very grateful for my parents because my mom has given a lot. And my dad was going through a really weird phase because he was a veteran. Mm -hmm. So he fought in the Civil War. And well, they both went through the civil war. So when they got out of that situation, my dad was in a very bad place. And my mom had to give a lot and a lot and a lot. And he couldn't give her anything for many years. What you have to ask yourself is, and this is what my mom actually did, because I didn't really understand why would you stay with a person who's not doing anything for you for like years and years and years. What my mom actually did is she told me the story of how they met and how they grew up to become parents together and how they worked towards their future together and just because she knows what kind of person he is deep down she knew that there was something that's going wrong so she stuck there and she she gave him everything that she can to support him and now he's doing so much better and now he's paying it back in some way i mentioned that in one of our previous talks that's before when divorce was looked down upon or just was very, very uncommon. People tried harder, I would say, to stay in a marriage, while now people are always looking for the next one. True, yeah, I agree. They're always trying to look for the escape rather than the solution. Yeah. But I don't know if that's necessarily a negative or a positive. You have the option to now leave. You're no longer forced to stay because you know your eternal soul is not going to be <laughs> damned or you're not going <laughs> to get kicked out of the local village. I don't think that people who tried harder in that case would have been any happier than people who left. I don't think that's a fair assumption. When do you know that it's not worth working on it mm. anymore? When do you see that it's like, nope, it's not working? If your partner wants to work on it, on the relationship is uh, one of the requirements. Another requirement is your values. So, for example, ambition 
my grandma divorced my grandpa because he was very fiscally irresponsible or she wanted to save money and get somewhere with life. And that was good enough of a reason for her to divorce and she doesn't regret it. So I think if you have very specific values, but few, so you don't make a list of 10 or 15 things that you want your partner to have necessarily. <laughs> and then if they fail one of the things, then you break up with them. I think it's a bit unrealistic. Harsh. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably yeah. some that are more important than others, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. probably have some sort of pyramid. Plus, we did shape the idea in our head of having the perfect person next to yeah. us, even mm-hmm. though we will never have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your values? Do you know? What are you looking for a relationship that you want your partner to have? I have two that are quite simple. Mm-hmm. It's empathy. I want them to have empathy as well as them not taking themselves too seriously. I agree for me to be in their life is for them to be a, a good person to the point where I don't have to prove it. It's not like he's good to me, but he's bad with everyone and he treats everyone like shit. Another value, I think, is to be humble Humbleness is very important to me. I do not like ego. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I can't live with. Yeah. I think mm, for me, consistency is a important Mm. value that someone is consistent to what they say, what they do. Mm. Yeah. And I would find it incredibly difficult to live with someone who's religious. For me, it's just so irrational that I find it very difficult to and I think for us, uh, when I was listening to us talking about this, it's very hard also to distinguish between something that you want and something that's a value, something that's mm. important as part of a relationship and can become very cloudy and very yes. difficult mm-hmm. to separate those things. True, true. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is the tricky thing. When you go into a relationship, do you, when you go into a relationship and then you find yourself after a while not happy, you have to ask yourself, why am I still in this relationship? If you feel resentment, contempt towards your partner, is it, is the problem coming from you, from them, from the relationship? What's going on? Because no one teaches you, like you said, no one teaches you how to navigate a relationship. And you find yourself in a very weird position at some point. And you have to ask yourself, is this worth staying in? Now, how would you know is you go back to your values or you take a break. I'm just, it's just a form of experience. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not giving advice. It's just what I do. I would take space and I would touch back or get back to my own values and what I consider important. And am I, is this relationship adding something to my life? Is this relationship helping me in any way? Do I really want to be with that person? Do I think I would be happy with that person? But yeah, I I think knowing how to work on it Mm -hmm. and learning about this, because I think there's all this media and this culture that is spoon fed to, to all of us that it has to be a certain way. And if that is your only guide, it only gives you maybe a desired end goal, but it, it doesn't give you a proper path towards that. Right. So it's important to have the tools for how to make a relationship, but then it's also important to know when you want to quit it, which is through taking space and thinking about your values. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much experience as you, so because normally I don't necessarily agree with taking space. So I think it can backfire. It can also be good, but sometimes just trying to see what you love about the person uh, and what made you choose them means you have to interact with them and just act in a way that's you love them again 
Yeah, and that brings us back to to what we were talking about with the different ways people interact, the different ways people communicate. There isn't a one size fits all. It has mm. to be bespoke between every couple or yep. more, right? Every relationship. Yeah, it depends on the person. And I do think that you should know yourself at least before you endeavor <laughs> in a relationship. I do agree that there are some things that you learn as you go in a relationship. Like you can't learn your love language while being single. That's kind of impossible. It's a bit difficult. It's a bit mm. difficult. But there are some things that you should find out on your own. Because I was in a relationship when I was really young, from 18 till 21. And I didn't see it until I got out of the relationship. And I figured that I was changing myself to fit the mold of my relationship. And then when we broke up, I realized that that's not the person that I want to be. That's why you need to know your values. And that's why you need to know yourself before you go into a relationship. One, so you would know what you want. And two, so you would know what can you offer that person. But maybe there's something to be said of figuring that out within a relationship, right? You know, yes, even, exactly. Even if you, f you know, even if it's the negative mm. feeling, right? Yeah, you yeah. you try and it doesn't work. Yeah. But then you learn anyway. Yes, exactly. What I'm very interested in is is your point, Ruddy, of it being something that isn't pursued in the same way. Not that it used to, and that's not the what that's not the wording I want to put on it. But it not being a priority to maintain a relationship can be quite damaging to to relationships as a whole. I think a person would still prioritize finding a relationship, just not maintaining one, mm. which is still putting time and energy into finding a new person, which could be put into one person who you grow with. I just thought about it. Maybe mm -hmm. being yourself too much could also backfire because you might also lose the skill of being with someone. Mm -hmm. Like you have to... You have to find the balance. You know, you don't get into a relationship and forget yourself, but don't also neglect your partner. Have the balance. You exist as much as they exist. And if you find the common ground, then you will be able to work on it. Mm -hmm. Most people do want to have a significant other, sometimes significant others. It doesn't always happen in our age. Sometimes people want to put it off until a later time when you're settled down financially or have graduated. But if you do want to get into a relationship and you do want to make it work, realize that it requires more than just communication and it will be some work on both people's parts. Yeah, something that really needs to be explored is both or whatever parties are involved, right? You need to explore and understand where people are coming from and how their values and their ideas and needs have been shaped in their past. Otherwise, it'll become very difficult to mm -hmm. interact, <laughs> let alone, you know, be together. Empathize with your partner and yourself. So understand where you're coming from and where well, your partner yeah. is coming from. Yes, I, I would add to that. Just know where your partner's background and get to know them as people as you would meet any other friend, learn about their experience as well as yours and build a base for your relationship. So whatever comes your way afterwards, you would have a safe space and common ground for you to move together towards another solution. As long as there's effort from both sides, I think a relationship could work. What ultimately you should 
do is just be easy on yourself and yeah. be easy on your partner. Just remember that you are in control and remember that you can fix it as long as you trust your partner and your partner trusts you. In one way, we're very lucky that we're having these conversations at our age rather than 20 years in the future. I think the ability to, to really think on those things and, and learn from one another and from oneself. <laughs> yeah, I think those are very powerful tools. Mm-hmm. It's very important to self-reflect. Thank you for listening to The Mastery Diplomat. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of 2021. For more episodes, please subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave us a like or rating. We'd highly appreciate it. The lead producer on this episode was Radhi. Co-producers were Sherelle and Brendan. The music in this episode was produced by Stone Ocean. Thanks again for listening. Hoi hoi. Thank you.